0: I want to tell you about like what I consider to be one of the coolest feelings in the entire world. One of the coolest feelings I've ever experienced. One of the coolest things that ever happened to me. My senior year of high school, I was the lead in the spring musical. And it was the music man. I was the music man. I was Harold Hill, Professor Harold Hill. I sang I acted, I danced. And you're like, we gotta see this. No, you don't. Because 18 year old dancing Sean is nothing like 46 year old dancing Sean. Believe me. So I I, I sang, you know. You got trouble, my friends, right here in River City with a capital T, that runs with P, and that stands for pool. I did the whole thing, and uh, it, was, it was incredible. It was, it was just a great experience. It was so much fun. We played to packed houses every night. 800 people a night came to see the Music Man. 800 people a night. And at the end of the show, I mean, it, I think back on it now, I get goosebumps thinking about it. It, it was just incredible. And so I think back on it, and, and the best part about it, the best part of it was like... I, uh, we would come out at the end of the night and the cast would come out and take their bows, right? And then at the very end, Marion the librarian and myself would come out to the front of the stage and take our bows. And when we did that, like the, the applause meter went up. Like, shh. Woo! Exactly, exactly. exactly. And it was a standing ovation every night. Come on, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's never happened in a sermon, and I don't ever expect it to ever happen again. But standing ovation every single night of the show, and it was awesome. I mean, it was like, "Ah, here's Sean in all his glory, right? You know? And I mean, let's face it, I deserve it because I'm awesome. But uh, (laughs) no. Neither here nor there. Uh, But it was amazing. It was just amazing. And when you think about like standing up for somebody, we we do this whenever we want to honor somebody. We stand up. When somebody walks in the room who is worthy of respect, worthy of honor, you know, whether it's a title, whether it's a person, you know, we stand up for them. So, for example, when I do a wedding, one of the, the, the first things I say, the very first thing I say when I do a wedding is please rise. And that's when the bride enters into the room. When the bride enters in, we say, please rise. And everybody stands up to watch the bride come in on her special day. We don't do that when the groom comes in. (laughs) But when the bride comes in, she's the guest of honor. She's the princess. We stand for the princess. When a judge enters into a courtroom, what do we say? All rise, right? And everyone stands up for the judge. Uh, when a, uh, mayor comes in or when the president walks in, the president walks in, everybody stands up, whether you like them or not, you stand up because you respect the position, right? And so in different times, in different situations, when the guest of honor walks in, we stand up, we rise. Interesting. Tonight, we are going to continue on in our series called Unleashed. And this series is all about the book of Acts. And we have been studying the book of Acts now. This is, we're in week seven, and this is a 28-week study, chapter by chapter, of the entire book of Acts. And so we have seen God do amazing things in the early church. And the reason that we're studying the book of Acts is because we are learning principles from the first century church that we can apply in the 21st century church. We saw one of those principles last week, a leadership principle, uh, when we talked about Stephen and we talked about how they needed to pick deacons. They needed to, to delegate the authority that they had in order to make sure the ministry of the church continued on unabated. Last week we talked about Stephen. We were introduced to this man, Stephen, who was one of the first deacons in the church. And this week we're going to continue in his story. And his story continues this week and it also ends this week as we talk about a standing ovation. If you have a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, you can use one on your phone, such as uh, YouVersion or Bible Gateway. Or, even better, use the GFCC app. We have an app that you can download to your phone in about 30 seconds. Uh, Go to your app store, whether it's the Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, and search for GFCC, and you can download the app, and you can take notes about the sermon, you can follow along with the sermon scriptures and things like that. Um, So, in Acts chapter 6, in Acts chapter 6, Stephen was appointed to be one of the deacons. And then... He was doing signs and wonders. The Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He was full of God's power, full of God's grace. And then there were people who were jealous of Stephen, and they started making up lies about him, saying that he was blaspheming God. He was blaspheming the, the law of Moses. He was blaspheming the temple. So they're saying all these terrible things about Stephen, that he's doing all these things that he wasn't doing. And so they brought Stephen before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the Jewish religious ruling council made up of Pharisees and Sadducees, mostly Sadducees. And these were uh, the Jewish religious leaders of Israel. And so Stephen is brought before the Sanhedrin, this Jewish ruling council. And they ask him, are these charges true? And then Stephen begins to talk about the history of Israel. He begins with the story of Abraham and how God chose Abraham to to be his people. And so he begins with the story of Abraham. And then he goes on into the story of Isaac who was Abraham's son. Abraham's wife, Sarah, wasn't able to give birth until much later in life. She was uh, over the age of 80 when she finally got pregnant. 90, I'm sorry, uh, she was nearly 90 uh, when Isaac was born. 90 years old, giving birth. Uh, Anyone want to volunteer for that job? No? No. Huh. Okay. So, we read about Abraham. He talked about Isaac. He talked about Isaac's son, Jacob. And then he talked about Joseph and how Joseph was, uh, rose to power in Egypt and how the entire Israelite family moved to Egypt where they became slaves for 400 years. And then God called Moses. And then so he talked about Moses to the Sanhedrin. So he's giving them their entire history. Now think about this for a second. Stephen is just an ordinary Jewish guy. He's just an ordinary Jewish guy. He's been appointed a deacon in the church. But there's nothing really special about him. This is kind of like if you or I were uh, called before the Supreme Court, and we had to argue a legal case to the Supreme Court. And like we... How many of you feel confident that you could argue a legal case before... Anybody? Maybe? Maybe one or two? Okay. All right. If I ever need a lawyer, I'm probably not going to call you, but I'm just saying... Um, So here's Stephen going on and on about the history of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. He talked about the golden calf. Uh, He talked about the Ten Commandments and how the people worshipped an idol. And then he talked about Joshua and how Joshua led the people out of Israel, uh, out of uh, Egypt uh, and and through through the desert and into the promised land. And then he talked about David and how David wanted to build a house for God, a temple. But it wasn't David who built the temple. It was Solomon. David's son Solomon built the temple. And then Stephen just lets him have it. In verse 51, he says this, Acts seven fifty-one, you stiff-necked people. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You always resist the Holy Spirit. So he calls them stiff-necked people. Now, the Greek word for stiff-necked people, uh, the uh, ancient New Testament was written in ancient Greek. And the ancient Greek word for stiff-necked is sklerotrakalos. Sklerotrakalos. I know it sounds like a dinosaur, but it's not a dinosaur. Sclerotrakalos means stiff-necked. It means obstinate. It means stubborn. It means headstrong. So this word sclerotrakalos is how Stephen described the Sanhedrin. Because they were uh, more concerned with three things than they were with the truth. Okay? The Sanhedrin was more concerned with the Torah than they were with the truth. Now, the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. It's also known as the Pentateuch, meaning five books. Uh, the Torah is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's the the books of Moses or the Law of Moses. And the the Jewish religious leaders were more concerned with the Torah than they were with the truth about who Jesus is and how Jesus was the Messiah that the Old Testament pointed to. So they were more concerned with the Torah. And the amazing thing about this is that. Stephen went through the you know in a real quick summary fashion the entire Torah, the whole story of Israel. And so he they were they were only concerned with the Torah, and Stephen's like, look, the Torah is, is what I'm telling you about. They were more concerned with the Torah than they were with the truth. Secondly, the Sanhedrin was more concerned with the temple than they were with the truth. You see, when Stephen was talking about David and how David wanted to build a temple for God. And how Solomon built that temple. He says, God does not dwell in buildings made by human hands. And it's true. God does not live in a building. Jesus does not live in a temple. He does not live in a church building. So like here at 2 West Pine Street, Jesus doesn't live here. He, he, he doesn't have a bed up in the youth room. Which would be scary if he did. The, youth, the teenage room. I'm telling you right now. But Jesus doesn't live here in this building. And so when, when people say, well, you know, I could never walk into a church building because, you know, the, it would be struck by lightning. No, this is just a building. It's a building where the church meets, but this is not the church. We do not have a church-centered faith. We have a Christ-centered faith. So the Sanhedrin was more concerned with the Torah than they were with the truth. The Sanhedrin was more concerned with the temple than they were with the truth. And the Sanhedrin was more concerned with their tradition than they were with the truth. They were more concerned with their tradition than they were with the truth. And that's when Stephen calls them stiff-necked people. They were so obstinate and headstrong and stubborn about their tradition that they couldn't hear what Stephen was saying. Have you ever met someone like that? Have you ever met somebody who is just so stubborn that they can't... My wife is smiling at me. I can see you back there. My glasses work. She's smiling at me like, you are so stubborn. She's right. She's totally right. But have you ever met someone who is really stubborn and just... And I know you are too. Um, But have you met someone who's just so stubborn that they can't accept the truth of a situation? They can't accept the truth of of something because they're so stubborn about their tradition and they're so stubborn about their beliefs and and you can't change their mind for anything. That's the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was so tied to the Torah, the temple and their tradition, that they couldn't hear the truth about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. So they decide, they're listening to Stephen. Stephen is, he's the accused, but now he is becoming the accuser. He is accusing them of killing the Messiah, of killing Jesus, that the Old Testament pointed to Jesus as the Messiah. And he says, And you guys killed him? And it says, They gnashed their teeth at him. They ground their teeth. They were so angry and so frustrated with Stephen. They began to gnash their teeth and, and, it's, it's kind of like when a little kid takes their fingers and sticks them in there and la, 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 la. You know, you've seen this happen before. Maybe you did it yourself growing up. But that's how the Sanhedrin was behaving. And so they decide that they're going to stone Stephen to death. Here's the thing about stoning. Uh, the Jewish religious council, the Sanhedrin, didn't have the authority to execute anyone. But this mob mentality takes over. And they grab Stephen... And they take him out of the city. The book of Leviticus says if you're going to stone somebody, you have to take them out of the city. You drop them off a cliff twice the height of a man. So about 10 feet off the ground, kind of the height of about a a basketball hoop. They would put them on the edge of the cliff face forward and they would just shove them off the cliff. Down to the rocks below. If the fall didn't kill them, They would then take a large boulder and drop it on them if that didn't kill them then they would take turns taking smaller rocks and tossing it on top of them in acts chapter 7 verses 55 and 56 it says this but stephen full of the holy spirit looked up to heaven and saw the glory of god and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What an amazing vision. I mean, Stephen is here dying. I mean, they are killing him. They are stoning him to death. They are tossing rocks on top of him. And he looks up and he sees what I would have to imagine would be the most comforting thing he could see. As they're killing him, he looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, here's something a little bit interesting about Scripture. Every time in the New Testament we see Jesus, he is sitting at the right hand of God. Check this out. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 21, 19 through 21 says this, that power, the power uh, that is within us is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand. In the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So everywhere we see in the New Testament, when Jesus goes into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of God. Now, the right hand, the right hand is the position of authority. It's the position of honor. So, Jesus is always seated at the right hand of God. That's the seat of authority, the seat of honor. Hmm. The only time we see that Jesus is not seated is when he is standing at the right hand of God before Stephen enters into heaven. I got to have thought about that in just a little bit. Before I talk about that, I want to talk about what Stephen did and how we can be like Stephen. When things get scary. First thing you got to know about Stephen is this: Stephen displayed great faithfulness. Stephen was faithful to Jesus. All the way up until his death. He was faithful to Jesus. Now I'm not an alarmist by any means. But I believe. My friends. My brothers. My sisters. That. Things are going to get scary for Christians in this world. I believe that persecution will break out against the church someday. The Bible says it. The Bible is very clear. Persecution is coming. Jesus said, do not be surprised if they hate you. Do not be surprised if the world hates you. Remember that it hated me first. It hated me first. How could anybody hate Jesus? They hated Jesus. Do not be surprised, he says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. So I believe, I believe that persecution is coming. The question is, will you and will I, will we be faithful to Jesus no matter what? Stephen displayed great faithfulness. Great faithfulness. Secondly, Stephen displayed great fearlessness. Here he is standing before the Sanhedrin, and he lets them have it. He was bold. He was courageous. He was fearless when standing before the Jewish religious leaders. Fearless. Could you be fearless if you were faced with what Stephen was facing? Could you fearlessly go to your death if that's what it took? You know, persecution takes many forms. It may not be something that you pay for with your life, but it could cost you a promotion, or it could cost you a position at work. It could cost you your job. Would you, would you be willing to lose your job for Jesus? Like, what are you talking about, Sean? I'm talking about taking a stand for what God says is right. We live in a world where the lines between right and wrong are getting blurrier and blurrier, and blurrier every day. Where people who once believed what the Bible said, said this is sin, this is sinful, things that people do all the time now get celebrated. What was evil is now called good and is celebrated. And if you stand up against it, and if you say, I believe this is wrong, you are now committing hate speech. And that could cost you a job, a position, a promotion. It could cost you a relationship. It could cost you a few relationships. Would you be fearless in defending your faith? Would you be fearless in standing up for Jesus Christ? Stephen was. It was going to cost him his life. I don't know about you, but uh, the whole idea of getting stoned to death does not sound like a lot of fun. Stephen was fearless. Not only that, but Stephen not only displayed great faithfulness and great fearlessness, but Stephen displayed great forgiveness. You see, at the very end of Acts chapter 7... After Stephen delivers this powerful sermon and they are getting ready to stone him. Verse 60 says, Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do not hold this sin against them. Stephen prayed for their forgiveness. Stephen prayed that God would forgive those who were killing him. Who does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Stephen displayed great faithfulness and fearlessness and forgiveness. Could you ask God to forgive people who were persecuting you? If people were to persecute you, could you ask God to forgive them? Well, that's hard, friends. That's hard. The question is will we be faithful? In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the author of Hebrews wrote these words. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus went through it first. Persecuted, crucified, raised back to life. And those who follow him, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you want to follow Jesus, You want to believe in him, repent from sin, confess your faith, get baptized. You want to be a follower of Jesus? You can expect hardship, trouble, persecution. It'll happen. It will happen. It's promised in scripture. It's prophesied. It will happen. But when troubles and persecution come, do not lose heart and do not lose faith. When troubles and persecution come, Do not lose heart and do not lose faith. This sermon is called A Standing Ovation because I believe that when Stephen looked up to heaven, he saw his Savior giving him a standing O. Well done, Stephen. So my encouragement to you today is to finish well and receive your own standing ovation when Jesus welcomes you into eternity and he will stay faithful my friends stay faithful to Jesus no matter what happens do not give up an eternity in his presence to go with the flow to go with the crowd today instead let us stand firm for what God's word says is true and that we when we enter into glory will receive that standing ovation and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant.